your Bibles now for our Bible study. Please turn to Joshua chapter 9. Until I get the heads up from Carl and Debbie. Are we good, Carl? We're good? Okay. Uh, there's a few, maybe a dozen uh, folks out there listening to me right now at home. And that's why we have to follow a certain time frame here. So in Joshua, in Joshua chapter 8, three months ago, we were studying the battle of I, A-I. And if you remember, they went into the battle of this of I without, without going to the Lord, without taking very many, taking it all for granted. And that's what we often do, is take things for granted, taking the battles in our lives for granted. And we're going to see something about this, but... They lost their first battle with this tiny, this smaller city of Ai. And then they, they got right with God and they went and they laid a trap for the city of Ai. They drew them all out. And after the people all came out, uh, Joshua's men came in and it was uh, a success. That's all chapter 8. I'd like for you to follow along with me in Joshua Chapter 9, in chapter 9, very quickly, verses 1 to 3, I'm not going to go over till later, but till next week probably, but they are, Joshua and the Israelites are now going toward the center of Israel, and they're going to go through what we call the, the southern campaign, and so far, Except for some minor slip-ups, they have had tremendous victories. If you're the enemy, scary victories. So what we have there is five cities, some say four, because one is considered two. Five cities that have come together. They never come together. They don't like each other. They steal from each other. But a common enemy makes them friends. And they're all going to come together and they are going to defeat these Israelites. That's, that's chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3. The battle there takes place in chapter 10 when we get there next week, Lord willing. I don't know if I want to say Lord willing because I feel like more than ever the rapture could happen. And if we go to heaven... If you go to heaven individually, if we go to heaven corporately, that's God's will too. I'm kind of praying for that one. But in, in chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3, we have the five kings are going to unite to, to defeat Israel. Then, chapter 9, verse 3, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done, to Jericho, and to Ai. They did work willily or they intelligently or they, they uh, secretly, intelligently, 
they worked and went and made as if they had been ambassadors. They took old sacks upon their donkeys for, for saddles. They took old wine bottles, which is what they were carrying uh, to drink with, old and torn and bound up. For me, bound up means lots of gray tape. That's what I think about. They took old shoes and clouded upon their feet or old sandals and tied them onto their feet. By the way, they're pretending as if they're from a far country and that they have been sent by their leaders to make a treaty because we have heard how great your God is and we will give up all our gods to, to follow you. But they're only 18 miles away. And they're doing this very stealthily and they're being very, being very dishonest about it. But they have got... I, I preached this sermon once to my youth group and I had all, I had all these props that I pulled out. And uh, it was quite a memorable thing, at least for me. They had old shoes, verse 5, clouded upon their feet, old garments upon them, and their bread was especially dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and they said unto him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. I just think it's unique that we just spoke on the far country last week. How being in the far country for some of us is a very bad thing. That means you have left the, left the heavenly Father. Well, they, they're, in a far, they're from a far country, they're telling them. Now, therefore, make a league or a treaty. Make vows of peace with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, or the Gibeonites, You dwell near us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said to Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are you? And where do you come from? And they said unto him, From a very far country. Thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. Now to hear someone speaking about the name of the Lord their God must have really sparked a note in his heart. And he goes like this. We have heard of the fame of him, which, by the way, isn't enough just to hear about him. And we have heard all that he did in Egypt. You remember that, the ten plagues and the Red Sea. Yeah, everybody heard of that. But that was 400 years earlier. Well, 40 years earlier, I said that wrong. And all that he did to, they had heard about all that they had done to the two kings of the Amorites. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take food with you for the journey, and go meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore, make a treaty with us. This is our bread. We took it hot, hot for our provision out of the houses 
on the day we came forth, remember it's old, it's moldy, it's stale on purpose. But now, behold, it is dry and moldy. And these bottles of wine which were filled were new, and behold, they are torn. That's how far we've come. And these garments and our shoes are become old by reason of a very long journey. And the men took up their food and watch. This is one of the main messages for tonight to take home. And the men took of their food and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Always ask God. Always. No, no. Always ask God for your decisions, for your choices. And give him a chance. Give him the opportunity to answer you. Don't get on your knees, the knees of your heart even, and ask God what you should do. Get up and go do what you wanted to do. No. We are to ask God and give him the opportunity to answer our prayers as to what direction, as to what we should be doing. I say that too, though. Uh, years ago, I brought you... I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I brought you a little story from decision-making and the will of God. I think it was Erickson or Hurrickson. And in in that book, Decision-Making and the Will of God, because of that book, my wife and I have had tremendous arguments. In that book, this guy, this this. This pastor, writer, says that many of the decisions we have to make are all whatever, listen, whichever way you go, whatever you do, whatever you decide, God will bless. If you go this way, if you go that way, God will bless. As long as you stay within his fences. Much of what much of what he has for us, he's already, he's already given us wisdom for. And as long as we don't go outside the boundaries of the word of God or the God of the word or the will of God in that way, God will bless. <clears throat> I taught this at the Christian singles years ago, years ago. They didn't like it either. Here's why. It seems that people, some people think that there is one perfect, one perfect person in the world for them. This guy Erickson, he says, as long as you don't go outside the boundaries of, of uh, the word of God, as long as you stay, stay to someone when it comes to finding a, a husband, a wife, as long as you find someone who loves the Lord. And I'll say something else. Loves the Lord even more than they will love you. That's what makes the best marriages. But as long as you live by God's standards and you make your choices within uh, the parameters of God and you choose a godly, a godly person, don't even date them until you, you find that out. Find out if they're saved or not and how much they love the Lord. Uh, I, my wife thinks 
there was that one perfect will of God and that she and I were it. And I think it is true for us. But I, I say this to the, the, I said this to the singles group, but as long as you're not dating outside the, the, the fences, the parameters that God has given us, born again believers who love the Lord, self-sacrificing, loving, unselfish, and those of you that are married, easy forgivers, find out how easily they forgive. As long as, you, as long as you do that, you're good. But I'm not even talking about this with romance. I'm not necessarily, this is, should I go that way or that way? Should I build here or should I do that? Should I work here or should I work here? God has a will for your life. Ask him and wait long enough for him to give you an answer. That's, again... And the men took their food, but they didn't ask counsel from the Lord. Always ask counsel of the Lord. Wow. Verse 15 of our text. And Joshua made peace with them. He made a treaty with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swore to them. And it came to pass at the end of three days... After they had made a league, a treaty with them, they had sworn to it that they heard what they heard that they were their neighbors where they were. Now, just imagine trying to see which direction to go here. Go down the road, turn right on to two, old two twenty. Somebody has told you they're from a far country called Claysburg. You don't know the area. You don't know. So you make a treaty with them. You make a vow to them. And you start going down the road, and there's a little sign that says, Welcome to, welcome to Claysburg. Population 220. How many is in po- Claysburg? Oh, okay. That's how many is in their school, probably. So, but imagine the, the shock. Wait. You said you were from a far country. Well, to us, it's a far country. (laughs) They found out they were neighbors and that they dwelt near them. Verse 17. And the children of Israel journeyed. I'm sorry. And now their cities were Gibeon, Cheshua, Bethroth, and Kajachajajam. If you're following along. Verse 18. And the children of Israel smote them not. They did not turn on them or kill them because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the the Lord God of Israel. They had taken a vow. I I just want to say, many of you were probably here. I thought Pastor Rodney's uh, wedding service he did on, on Saturday with Amanda and Chris I thought it was just wonderful and beautiful. They were his family as well. It was all, you know, a lot of it was family. And he really did a good job with the vows. It's important for us to be careful with vows and promises that we make. In 
Bible college, I took, I took a, the courses for a youth pastor, and they, they said that one of the biggest reasons for teenage rebellion in Christian homes was broken promises. But you promised. But you promised. So A, be very careful with your promises and hedge them <clears throat> with, well, if the house burns down, we can't do it. Give, give examples of, uh, of uh, what could happen that could cancel out your promises. But the children of Israel had taken a vow. Now you would think that these guys had lied, on, lied. They had lied about who they were. It should be null and void, this contract they had. But the children of Israel, Joshua specifically, we vowed a vow to God. It's something that we have to keep or God will be against us. I think it's Ecclesiastes. It's either Ecclesiastes 9.2 or 2.9, but it talks about being careful, taking a vow. Very important. And they were very afraid. Verse 20, this will we do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swore to them. And promises and vows, and I say it again to husbands and wives, vows that you took before God and to each other, they count. Verse 21, And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be cutters of wood, drawers of water unto all the congregation, as the the princes had promised them. Now again, it gets cold in Israel in the off-seasons. It even snows in the off-season, and depending on the elevation you're at, and that is why you need cutters of wood. They all heated by wood. They all cooked by wood. And it was something every day. They had to go out into the woods and they had to cut down their trees or, and cut up their logs. A very big nuisance part of their life. But wouldn't it be nice if that's all you had, if you could have servants to do that? Another thing was carrying of water. The stream's a half mile away Someone's got to go get the water. And now they've got someone. So what did they say? Let them be cutters of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation and the princes had promised them. Verse 22, And Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you beguiled us? The word beguile means trick, tricked us saying, we are very far from you when you dwell so near us, 18 miles. Now, therefore, you are cursed, and there shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and cutters of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. So they make a pact, they make a treaty, And they're going to make these Gibeonites cutters of wood, which I think some of you would like. Jack, you would like that. Yeah. Uh, Cutters of wood 
and carriers of buckets of water. Verse 24, their explanation. Pretty, pretty, neat, pretty neat explanation. Here's their defense. They answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants, us, how the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very afraid of our lives because of you. That's why we did this thing. Now behold, we are in thy hand, as it seems good and right to thee to do unto us. Whatever you want to us, Joshua, do. We're in your hands, we're alive. And so did he unto them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day woodcutters, drawers of water, and for the altar of the Lord, even unto this day, in the place which he should choose. First of all, I want to point out to you, these Gibeonites... Their lying cannot be justified, nor ought it to be used as an, as an excuse or a precedent. We must never do evil that good may come. We must never do wrong in order to do right. We have reason to think Joshua would have been directed by God to spare their lives anyway, because the given the the Gibeonites announced, renounced their idolatry and became friends and servants to the house of God. I also wanted you to see that many a time we see reason to think back upon and to regret mistakes that we've made for things that we have done, for promises that we have broken, God's ears are always open. He's always waiting for you at the end of the road, waiting for repentance. My favorite verse when I was first saved came from Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he will direct thy paths. I also wanted you to notice the Israelites speak as those that feared the breaking of an oath. Once an oath is made, a, a vow, a promise has been, has been made, they must keep it. This is one of those things in my personal life. There's not a thing wrong with drinking Pepsi. Not a thing wrong. But I took a vow 20 years ago that I would never drink another Pepsi. And even though now my sugar levels are good, I, uh, I'm healthy somewhat, I could drink the Pepsi again, but I took a vow. And that vow helped me to kick something that, that was hurting me in the long run. Years later, we found out I had the diabetes and bad kidneys. 
So with that said, keep your vows. Be very careful of your vows. Don't make them unless, don't make them unless you can keep, keep them, them and he will help you with your vows. I also noticed something here. The Gibeonites, they were made perpetual servants, just as we are. Galatians 5.13, you've been called to liberty. Only use not liberty to do whatever you want. For an occasion to the flesh, but by love be a servant one to another. Galatians 5.13. And then I remembered verse 25. And now the Gibeonites say, We are in thine hand, as it seems good and right unto thee to do unto us. Do. And that ought to be our prayer to God. God, do with us, do with my gifts, talents, and abilities as Do with us, Lord, as you wish, your will. And if we make that comment, it may not be comfortable. It push, pushes us out of our comfort zone. <clears throat> but if you're willing to make that, he will use you. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But sometimes we are called on to carry very heavy burdens and heavy responsibilities. So he says in Matthew 11, 29, Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. For some of us, that's that's the highest priority. The closer you get to God, the more you learn of God, the more you love him the more you'll want to serve him. The more you see how much he loves you, you'll want to serve him. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I, he says, this is Jesus speaking, I am meek and lowly, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And if we would have had music and all that, At this point, I would have had us sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Would you bow your heads, please? Lord Jesus Christ, we've heard every word you spoke to us tonight. I just ask you, Lord, to take us up into your hands as the potter does the clay. Build us, make us, remake us, use us to be thy servants. Use us to keep our vows, vows one to another and our vows to you, Lord. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen.